Hi, I'm Chelsea, the Christian Nutritionist. Welcome to the Christian Health Club podcast. We are here to fire you up in spirit, mind, and body so that you can get out into the world and be everything God created you to be. Welcome to the club. Here we go. Hello friends, welcome back to the club. I'm so glad you're here today because I have a wonderful guest joining us. Her name is Megan Vanzell. She's the owner and CEO of Cancer Peace University. She received an honorary doctorate from United Theological College in the philosophy of humanities for her significant work for those diagnosed with cancer. She holds her master's in human development counseling from Vanderbilt University. And Megan works directly with cancer clients, addressing the emotional and physical roots to their diagnosis and addresses lifestyle changes, cancer education, dietary changes, and supplements. Um, Megan has a program called Cancer Peace University that trains holistic health practitioners to work with clients in cancer prevention and through their diagnosis. Welcome, Megan, to the Christian Health Club podcast. Thank you so much for having me, Chelsea. I'm looking forward to this interview. I know, I'm so happy you're here. Um, when I was looking through your website and just you know looking at all that you do, I was like, oh gosh, I'm gonna have to have her on like three or four times because <laughs> there are so many different um, topics that we could cover here today. Um, today we're going to kind of go hard-hitting nutrition, but before we talk about iodine and the deficiency, um, the role of iodine deficiency in thyroid and even in um, breast cancer, I wanted to just kind of ask you more about Cancer Peace University because when you, you know, you hear the words cancer and peace, it's like an oxymoron, you know, yes. for most people. And mm -hmm. so, I mean, how do you establish a sense of peace during one of the most stressful times in someone's life? That's a great question. And I, I actually get that sometimes where people say Cancer Peace University and they don't understand. But what I will say is that people that I know and clients that I've seen go through the whole process that cancer brings in their life. And if someone allows cancer to do this in their life, they can actually transform every area of their life and actually have a better life than before their diagnosis. I have so many people that I talk to that have survived their diagnosis or clients of mine that are on the other side of a diagnosis and they've changed everything about their life. They got a new career. They were stuck and frustrated in a job that they did not like and they started a new career. They moved to a new city. They grew and deepened a spiritual connection or started a spiritual connection that they never had before. And or they got into a new relationship or so many drastic changes because cancer is an opportunity to take your life back and to really find those places that have not been fully alive in mm -hmm. in your life and to 
and make those changes that you've been procrastinating on. And and cancer, when when someone engages in a process of change and transformation on every level, emotionally, spiritually, and physically, they start to gain this proactive momentum that actually allows them to get beyond a fee, the fear of a diagnosis and to really engage in the, the hard work of change and the hard work of being the own your own catalyst for healing and understanding that that you don't just develop cancer overnight for no reason but there's many reasons why we why people develop cancer and there are many ways we can address those root causes mm -hmm. right that's so true um well how did you how did you get into this i mean how what led you to this specific work that's a great question because I initially um, actually was ordained as a in pastoral ministry after working as a counselor with families with autism after receiving my master's degree at Vanderbilt and I, I did campus ministry and then I lived in Cape Town South Africa where I did missions work at an orphanage and high school for at-risk youth and after working at the orphanage, I moved back to Minnesota and started working with families with autism after going through the NTA program on the holistic side. But then my friend was diagnosed with breast cancer. And she was young. She was only 47. She had three children, two special needs children. And I walked through the entire process of her diagnosis with her. And there was one thing that she had a hard time letting go of and that was bitterness towards her ex-husband she had a lot of bitterness and anger towards him and that was one thing she just felt like she couldn't resolve or she couldn't take that step to forgive and i still remember three days before she ended up dying she forgave her ex-husband and I literally saw the bitterness melt off of her face and she had a, before she had a hardened face and she her face softened and she became very gentle and um, actually came out of a she was in and out of a coma she started to speak and started to talk to family and friends and I felt like I was seeing her for who she really was meant always meant to be but that bitterness had been blocking but it also changed her uh, changed her life and how she entered eternity and um it was hard because she didn't survive the diagnosis but i felt like god was also preparing me to be on on the edge of someone's diagnosis where um many people have the opportunity to move through diagnosis and become and be healed um but not everyone survives but i think that if we have the right perspective of understanding our life on earth with eternity and addressing those eternal issues, we'll definitely see an impact not only in this life, but the life to come. Are all of your clients believers? No, I, I work with all types of clients. Um, I, I work with people from different faith backgrounds, um, from Christian to um, to Muslims, to Jewish people, um, all types of different clients. Um, but I do like to share my faith. Um, I am a Christian and I do love talking about spirituality with my clients and find that a lot of them are trying to solidify their beliefs 
and trying to really connect spiritually. And I think that's really important for everyone with the diagnosis. Mm -hmm. Wow. Well, what, um, what an opportunity and what a place for you to be. Like you said, you, I'm sure it does feel like you're standing on the edge a lot. Um, yes. In that position. Um, mm -hmm. wow. Well, um, before we dive into, um, some kind of our nitty gritty today, is there anything else you'd like to share about, um, about that, um, before we kind of move in, move into iodine? I just think it's important that we all approach life with the reality that we all have an incurable disease that we're all going to die one day. Mm -hmm. And if we take that into consideration, we can connect spiritually and make sure we know, um, what's going to happen after we die. Mm -hmm. Yes. Okay. Well, that's, um, that's a, that's an interesting way to look at it. I've never thought about that way. We all have an incurable disease. Um, yes, that is, um, and we need to be right, right with our maker and what yes. an opportunity you have to just be with that, be with people and plant those seeds. Um, and that's just, it's beautiful. I love the way that, because that's what, what we do here is integrate, um, spirit, mind and body and health, because you truly cannot separate them no. and, um, you really can't. And so there's, there is the physical, which we're going to talk, talk more about today. Um, but equally as important is the spiritual and the yes. mind and how you, and how you, um, consider everything through your diagnosis. And, um, exactly. so they all work together, but mm -hmm. we will come back and dig in that another day. That's for sure. Awesome. Um, but today we're going to take um, an interesting angle um, talking about the link between iodine deficiency um, and cancer, specifically, you know, how iodine deficiency can lead to issues in the thyroid and the breast. And I am so glad to have um, an expert on this because I think there's a lot of misconceptions about iodine. A lot of people don't realize the importance of iodine. There's yes, some myths out there. And so, it's, it is so important. And so I'm so glad that you're here to uncover, um, uncover some of this for us. And so could you just start by telling us about iodine? I mean, most people don't realize it is essential. Yes. Essential. A that means must have people. Essential yes. micronutrient and that the body must have to uh, maintain health. So tell us about it and tell it what it, what it does for our bodies. Yes. Yes. Iodine is critical in so many facets of our body. And the interesting thing is I was severely deficient in iodine for most of my life and I did not realize it until um, I was in my 30s. Um, because um, iodine deficiency is correlated with um, cystic conditions. And I had polycystic ovary syndrome for um, about 12 years of my life. And um, if I would have known about the simple um, nutrient that I was deficient in, I may have not suffered so much with the cystic condition. But iodine is used in so many facets. Um, iodine is used by the body to, to create your thyroid hormones, T3 and T4. And iodine also is used by the body to create something called S-iodolactone. S-iodolactone is a critical compound that the body uses to remove abnormal cells, especially abnormal cells in breast tissue. Mm. 
Um, and the body will use acetylactone only when the thyroid gland is sufficiently um, nourished with enough iodine to create T3 and T4. And what happens a lot of the time is that a lot of times our bodies have just enough iodine to make T3 and T4 and not enough to create S iodolactone. And that is the critical um, missing ingredient for so many people in a cancer diagnosis, especially a diagnosis of breast cancer. Um, all cystic conditions, goiters, fibrocystic breast disease have all been correlated with an iodine deficiency. Oh, wow. Okay. That is that right there boom that's so <laughs> that is so important i just guarantee you most people do not realize how critical mm -hmm. it is and this role that it plays in cancer okay yes. what what else tell us more yeah so um also so iodine and the thyroid gland have a really symbiotic important relationship the thyroid is dependent on iodine um and the mitochondria is dependent on thyroid hormone. Um, mitochondrial disease has been correlated to precede both a diagnosis of autism and a diagnosis of cancer. And Dr. Otto Warburg did a lot of work on establishing the relationship between cancer cells and the mitochondria, where he discovered that cancer cells have missing or damaged mitochondria. And thyroid hormone cannot serve its purpose in the body if we do not have a fully saturated thyroid gland of, with iodine. The body will replace iodine with bromide or fluoride if we do not have enough iodine. And the body does not work well with bromide and fluoride in creating T3 and T4, and thus it will have a negative impact on thyroid hormone and disrupt thyroid hormone's role in helping to increase the size and number of mitochondria. Okay, so <laughs> this begs the question. I mean, if somebody goes to the doctor, you know, low in thyroid hormone, that kind of thing, are iodine tests, I mean, is this something that I mean, sounds like that's something that needs to be done. Like that would be a first step. But do is there enough iodine in the body? Is that yes? <laughs> I feel it's like true. this probably is not happening. Is that no. your experience? Yeah, the the iodine levels are typically not looked, not tested uh, in normal blood workup, and so someone would actually need to seek out an iodine test through another type of practitioner. Um, there are labs that you can go through and do an iodine excretion test um, to test and basically load your body with a lot of iodine. And if your body's sufficiently saturated with iodine, your body would excrete 90% of the iodine that you load your body with. But if your body does not have enough iodine and you load your body with iodine, the body will hold on to that iodine and not excrete it from the body. And this is one of the best tests, I would say, the iodine loading excretion test. Okay. All right. And so you, you can order that yourself or you would ask your health practitioner? There are, yeah, there is a lab that you can order it yourself in most states in America except for California and New York. Um, and so it would be a lab um, test that you would find um, 
either through a healthcare practitioner or you can find the lab yourself for an iodine excretion test. Okay. All right. I, I'm sure somebody would need some guidance in that. I'm sure it yes. would, be would be helpful to yes, prop. Exactly. not take that on yourself. Um, yes. So, okay. Um, I'm sure that's something that you could help somebody through or at least yes. guide them or recommend. Yes. Okay, good. Exactly. That's good to know. Okay. Um, wow. All right. So is there any, what else does, those are the main things iodine does. Kind of what else goes along with that? Sure. Um, so the interesting thing about iodine is that it also acts as an extension of the immune system. It ends up being used by the body to kill off single cell organisms like bacteria, viruses, and even parasites. And iodine is a great anti-parasitic, which the interesting thing about tumors is that a lot of autopsies on tumors specifically have found tumors uh, actually having paras parasites within the tumors. And it mm. seems like the body is protecting um, protecting itself by using the tumor as a way to hold on to and protect the body from toxins, parasites, and any carcinogens that could cause septic shock or instant death in the body. Oh, interesting. Trying to like kind of wall it off. Yes. So to speak. Exactly. Okay. Okay. Mm -hmm. okay. Oh, goodness. Okay. What else? So the thyroid, um, and the other interesting thing about thyroid hormones specifically is that thyroid hormone is in charge of connective tissue. And you wouldn't think that connective tissue had such an important role in protecting the body against um, cancerous growth and even metastasis. But connective tissue, it acts as an, a barrier to keep cancer cells from spreading in uh, a metastatic situation and blocking CTCs from spreading. But if the body is does not produce enough thyroid hormone it, or is deficient in iodine and not producing enough T3 and T4 because of an iodine deficiency, then the connective tissue can be affected and infiltrated by something called mucin. And mucin will increase the likelihood of cancer cells being able to spread and cause metastasis of a cancer diagnosis in the body. Oh, wow. I, this is kind of blowing my mind, all of this information. Um, I Wow, I did not know that. I think this is going to be news to many people. Yes, um, definitely. Gosh, Lee, okay. Um, okay, so it does that. Um, it sounds like a wonder, uh, a wonder micronutrient. Yes, <laughs> it is. It really is. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. What else does it do? So um, iodine also is critical as an epigenetic cue for a tumor suppressing gene P53. And um, P53 is used by the body to help regulate apoptosis or normal cell death. And one of the hallmarks of cancer cells is that cancer cells evade apoptosis or normal cell death. And so it's critical for the body to gain access to these epigenetic cues that will help upregulate P53, which helps to stabilize apoptosis or normal cell death. Okay, so it's the body's natural, part of the, the body's natural cleansing system, I guess, so to speak, is for this 
this natural cell death, the apoptosis to get rid of um, some of these yes. cells. And if exactly. so if there's, you're kind of saying, what you're saying is iodine is a precursor to, or, or it's critical for that gene, yes. which um, helps regulate the normal cell death. Yes, exactly. That's a great way to, to look at it. Another way to look at apoptosis is each cell in your body has a life mission, a purpose. When it accomplishes that, it's programmed to go through apoptosis or normal cell death. Mm -hmm. And that's how the body continues the process of regeneration and, um, like you said, cleansing itself um, and maintaining its own integrity and um, regeneration process. I just love this idea. I just, I feel like people do not think about the fact that their body is always regenerating itself. Mm -hmm. You know, we're not, we exactly. just don't have what we have and that's what, you know, we're stuck with that. It's, you know, the body is always um, cleansing, detoxifying, regenerating itself. And, you know, it's just the most important thing is what, what is your body doing that with? What are the materials that you're giving exactly. your body to regenerate itself? And so, I mean, the, you know, that's where, uh, you know, I know you and I as nutritionists are just so passionate about um, real food and making sure that you're giving your holy temple the best materials yes, to exactly. make make this body um, to be an excellent vessel. That's what you know. My our my highest health goal always to, is to be an excellent vessel for the Holy Spirit, and we need to honor these um, these bodies as That's such. True. You know, That's and true. to um, give mm -hmm. it what it needs. So as we're regenerating, as we are. Um, creating new bodies all the time that we're exactly. you know, get, giving it that input we need, like iodine. <laughs> we yes, <need> exactly. <laughs> we need the iodine. Well, um, what about, what are the best sources of iodine? I think, you know, people are, a lot of people are under the misconception that, you know, using iodized salt you know, is yes. sufficient. That's the answer. That's why the whole reason it was made. I, here's oh, where I get sure. my iodine. So, um, yes. why why is not not why is that wrong? Yes. So, iodized salt is interesting. It was created um, basically to give the micronutrient of iodine enough iodine to avoid developing a goiter. So developing a goiter is in a severe state of deficiency that um, it has been seen a lot. That's why the Midwest region, actually the region that I live in, is known as the goiter belt. The goiter belt is landlocked states that are not near the ocean, that are were near the Great Lake region, but iodine is better saturated near the ocean. Um, because of the, the ocean and the, the salt from the ocean um, replenishing the soils with iodine. Mm -hmm. And so in the goiter belt region, there was a, ma a major issue with a lot of people developing goiters, and this is where they created iodized salt to stop people from developing goiters. But the reality is that iodized salt is, is not enough iodine to give the body the saturation for the body to best use iodine in creating T3 and T4 in the thyroid gland and then using iodine to create S-iodolactone, which is the critical part of preventing um, cancer by removing abnormal cells from breast tissue in the body. 
Okay. So, so the iodized salt is not going to cut it. And not only that, it's been stripped of uh, so many important um, nutrients that um, yes, it's just in itself, not the best choice of salt. Not a good form of salt. <laughs> it's not a good form of salt either. Yeah. You'd be much better off with a Him Himalayan sea salt or something that has all the facets of sea salt. Right. Well, what, what are good sources, food sources of iodine? Sure. That's a great question. So food sources of iodine, the interesting thing is that Japan and Iceland have the highest intake of iodine in their traditional natural diets. They also have the lowest rate of goiters and the lowest rate of breast cancer in their cultures. Mm -hmm. um, so you could just ascribe to a traditional diet of those living in Iceland or Japan. Um, some of the other um, nutrients from foods that have high levels of iodine is wild-caught cod, organic grass-fed cottage cheese, making sure you're buying it from a source that does not have bovine growth hormone, um, a good source of eggs, um, organic free-range eggs, prunes, tuna, lima beans, um, or seaweed or dried kelp. But I will caution, the majority of people are so deficient in iodine that food sources of iodine alone will not be enough to replenish and to give your body enough iodine to rebuild um, thyroid hormone and create S-iodolactone. So most people will need to supplement um, iodine for a period of time. Okay. Um, so for a period of time and then perhaps when run the test to see if yes. you've made, okay, reached that you've level. sufficient. Mm -hmm. uh -huh. Okay. Okay. That's good. How do we get so iodine deficient? So a, a lot of reasons. Um, our soils are, are very depleted of minerals. Um, research has found that even organic sources of produce have lost almost 40 to 50% of our minerals because of our soils, because farmers have not practiced um, sustainable farming practices, um, have not replenished the soils themselves, and have stripped our, our land of, of minerals. Um, the goiter belt region is landlocked and not near the ocean, and so we Naturally, in the Goiter Belt region in the Midwest, we have also naturally a deficiency of iodine. And also, our food sources um, have high levels of bromide. Iodine and bromide will compete for the receptor sites on cells, and bromide actually will block iodine from receptor sites. Bromide dominance has become common because of how bromide has been added to so many processed food sources. Um, in 1970, iodine was removed from bread and baked goods and replaced with bromide, which is another halide that the body would use to create T3 and T4 when there's not enough iodine. But it does not create um, T3 and T4 that are sufficient in converting and having the impact that they need on um, the mitochondria within the cells. Bromide can be found in, in pesticides, bread and baked goods, um, vegetable oil, hot tub cleansers, asthma inhalers, prescription drugs, plastic products, personal care products, fabric dyes, um, flame retardants used in mattresses, children's clothing, and toys. So we're exposed to it in a lot of different ways. Yeah, it's like coming at you from all angles. Wow. Yes. That bromide. So the bromide will, um, in essence, 
kind of bully its way into those, uh, the iodine receptors um, and kind of take over. And you said fluoride as well can do that, correct? Yes, fluoride can also do the same thing that bromide does. And so if someone's drinking water, fluoridated water, and does not have a water filtration source, they can also be replacing um, iodine with fluoride. Okay. Um, so I, I feel like I read somewhere along the way that it's kind of hard to eat you know, essentially eject the bromide yes. <laughs> from those, from the um, receptor sites in that when you do, you, you can experience quite a detoxification yes. um, response. Is that correct? Exactly. Yes. So, so I, I caution people on experimenting with iodine supp supplementation on their, their own because you can go through a detox and a lot of people end up buying um, the wrong sources of iodine supplements um, and, the, and end up doing the wrong dosages. And so it's really important that, um, that people are, understand that we can't just go out and purchase any type of iodine, any type of supplement, um, because supplements are not regulated by the FDA, but we need to find um, supplement brands and sources that are regulated, self-regulated, um, and using the proper combination of potassium, iodide, and iodine. So I, a lot of times I find people buying the wrong sources of iodine and then saying, oh, that did not work. My body did not respond well to iodine. And then I find out that they had the wrong source of iodine or they use something called nascent iodine, which is not a good source of iodine. Um, and they didn't use a combination of potassium iodide, iodine from a reputable um, supplement company. Okay. So best to um, have some guidance with this. Yes. Um, yes. yes, I would think a lot of, you know, a lot of people, like you said, most people are probably uh, deficient on some level and, um, and you want to, you want to <laughs> do it the right way, um, for sure yes. for your body. So seek, um, seek help on that. Um, okay. So bromide, um, so bromide is found in all of these things, um, very problematic, um, Yes. And, blo and blocking um, iodine from getting in the receptor sites. Exactly. How does how does um, iodine deficiency affect the breast? Yes, um, in multiple ways actually. Um, iodine desensitizes estrogen receptor sites in breast tissue in the breast cells, and a deficiency in iodine will actually cause estrogen production to increase and increase the sensitivity of breast tissue to estrogen, which is a concern for ER positive or estrogen positive um, breast cancer diagnoses and hormonally driven um, cancer diagnoses. Um, there are three types of estrogen that the body produces, estrone or E1, estradiol E2, or estriol E3, and iodine plays a critical role in actually balancing the three estrogens because the three estrogens need to be in the proper ratio. What can happen with a cancer diagnosis is that the body can start um, increasing and becoming estrogen dominant but having too much of E2 or estradiol, which can um, actually start directing um, cancerous growth in in breast tissue and be a part of an ER positive diagnosis. And so um, some people with an ER positive diagnosis will monitor their progress of metabolizing and getting rid of estradiol by doing an E2 estradiol test to see their levels 
um, and to see how out of ratio they are. Um, but iodine plays a role in balancing estrogens in the body. Oh, okay. That's good to know. I think a lot of us could use help in that department. <laughs> yes, definitely. <laughs> so okay. true. Um, what about um, fibrocystic breast disease? How, how can it you know, help that? Exactly. So the interesting thing about fibrocystic breast disease is that um, many doctors have found that fibrocystic breast disease um, is a progression that if not properly addressed can be a precursor to a later breast cancer diagnosis because the tissue is becoming abnormal, more and more abnormal in the breasts and typically a severe iodine deficiency is why the tissue, the abnormal tissue is proliferating and contributing to fibrocystic breast disease because the body does not have enough iodine, again, to create S-iodolactone, which helps to remove the abnormal tissue. And so supplementing and providing the proper source of iodine is critical in fibrocystic breast disease to avoid it altogether or to help support the body during a fibrocystic breast disease diagnosis. Oh, wow. Okay. So kind of back to that apoptosis, correct? Yes. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Okay, gotcha. Um, so iodine will do that, help induce the apoptosis in breast and thyroid cancer cells, correct? Yes, exactly. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, and so um, generally, I mean, we're really focusing here on, you know, thyroid and breast. Um, and so those are two places that are critical for sufficient Exactly. Um, iodine. I mean, I know all of our cells need iodine, but that that's um, so critical. And for um, women's health, I just, there are, goodness, so many women um, suffering with um, and worried about a breast cancer diagnosis, yes. um, suffering from, you know, thyroid, autoimmune disease, all of that kind of thing. And so that's true. Mm -hmm. And so this is um, critical. I mean, so, okay, you've kind of already explained how iodine deficiency will also um, affect the thyroid um, yes but just kind of kind of go over that one more time I, I, there's still like so much information my brain's exploding I love it <laughs> <laughs> well don't explode too much so you can finish the podcast <laughs> um, let me just briefly say it in this way um, okay so Iodine deficiency will impact the thyroid um, by starving the thyroid of the nutrients needed to create T3 and T4. Okay. Um, and T3 and T4 are critical to the mitochondria, which Dr. Otto Warburg found that cancer cells contain abnormal and missing mitochondria and that mitochondrial disease precedes a cancer diagnosis. And so simply by giving the body iodine um, and sufficient quantities from the right source, this can boost your T3 and T4 activity, which can help increase the size and number of the mitochondria, which is protective against the body going into um, abnormal um, cell death or premature or immortal and, uh, and the cancer cells, which end up evading apoptosis, have damage to the mitochondria because the mitochondria release a molecule called cytochrome C. 
And cytochrome C is what initiates apoptosis or normal cell death to the cell itself. And so when the mitochondria become damaged, the mitochondria actually almost locks a gate and doesn't release cytochrome C anymore to initiate apoptosis. And so um, iodine deficiency will end up affecting um, apoptosis or normal cell death, um, which a hallmark of a cancer cell is evading normal cell death or having a broken apoptotic pathway. Okay. Okay. Thank you. Thank you for going over that. This is just, um, it's good for me. I know that my brain is soaking all of this in. And so I know that the audience, it's a, you know, it's a lot, um, it's a lot to take in. So it just, it's good to hear it. Um, it's good to hear it like that with somebody that, um, has, is on thyroid medications. I mean, is that just a given? I mean, it's, it just seems like that would be a given that they would need to uh, beef up their iodine. Yes, yes. So especially if someone is tested positive and any type of thyroid test for thyroid dysfunction, hypothyroidism, um, any thyroid condition is preceded by a severe iodine deficiency. And so it's actually just should be um, common sense that your body created a um, iodine um, deficiency, iodine deficiency helped create the thyroid condition in the first place. And so your body is, is lacking iodine. Right. Well, what about, um, what about somebody with Hashimoto's? Um, which sure. Because we've heard, you know, I've just heard a lot around that to, you know, you have to be so incredibly careful. It's contraindicated. Um, so is that, can somebody with Hashimoto's take iodine? Should they? Yes. Um, so the interesting thing about Hashimoto's, this is a great question. And this is a question that I get a lot. Um, the thing that we need to understand though, is that your body cannot develop Hashimoto's without having a severe iodine deficiency that causes the Hashimoto's to develop. And so iodine deficiency has to be present before Hashimoto's develops. And the details are pretty um, intense and I don't want to cause your brain to explode even more. <laughs> but um, the details have to do with S-iodolactone and um, the, a lack of S-iodolactone from a lack of of iodine can cause an excess of hydrogen peroxide, which hydrogen peroxide is just part of the conversion process of um, changing iodide into iodine so that the thyroid gland can use um, iodide to create T3 and T4. And when there's excess hydrogen peroxide, it will cause damage that can lead to um, antibodies being created and lead to the thyroid gland being attacked. Um, which leads to the development of someone getting a diagnosis and the, and the doctor may be finding anti-TPO antibodies because of this severe iodine deficiency or deficiency of S-iodolactone um, in the body. And so because it starts off with an iodine deficiency, iodine will be necessary at one point. Um, but I think it's important to work with a practitioner that um, is familiar with Hashimoto's and familiar with iodine um, to have the proper support of someone that can, um, give, give the, the support because of the detoxification process the body can go through and because there's a, a proper way to approach it for someone with a Hashimoto's diagnosis. Absolutely. You know, it's, 
it's wonderful to learn this information, but at the same time, it makes me so mad <laughs> because sure. I'm like, you, you know, or not, I don't want to say mad. That's not a, you know, but just, it frustrates me for people, um, going through this, that something, um, I don't want to say simple as iodine deficiency, but it's, it's kind of, ba it's basic. It should be, it should mm -hmm. be basic. It should be something that's yes. looked at and considered, um, in these situations. And, um, and so it's just one reason that I love having guests on like you to just share this information with us, clear, you know, clear up misconceptions, um, and just, you know, give it to us straight, um, about, yes. about this kind of thing. Cause you, we truly have to be our own health advocates. Yes, um, that's true. You know, and the more information we have about these, um, about this kind of thing, then we can, we can go in yes. and ask, you know, ask our doctors and I'm sure they're happy to help. Um, but you know, sometimes you just, you have to be the one to bring it up. So, yes. Um, I'm so glad for this. Well, what about, I've, you know, read, heard um, that raw cruciferous vegetables can block iodine. So, um, you know, and a lot of people mm -hmm. with thyroid issues, they will avoid um, raw cruciferous vegetables. And so is that, is that something that is necessary? Sure. So we need to understand that the research that has been done has shown that it takes a lot of raw cruciferous vegetables to actually cause hypothyroidism from the goitrogens that would be exposed through eating raw cruciferous vegetables. And so it, most of us would never eat enough raw cruciferous vegetables because if you think about it, I mean, me personally, the only raw cruciferous vegetable that I would eat on a semi-regular basis would be organic kale. But most of the other cruciferous vegetables like cauliflower, broccoli, romanesco, they actually taste better cooked anyway. Mm -hmm. And I always, I follow the rule of if a vegetable tastes better cooked, there's some nutrients or something about it that I should probably be eating it cooked. Um, that's how I feel about it. And then there's some vegetables that taste better to me raw, like spinach to me tastes better raw than cooked. So I'm going to eat that raw. Um, and so, um, I think that's important to keep in mind. Um, if you were concerned about eating too many raw cruciferous vegetables, um, you just, um, maybe limit it to one to two servings per day, but then cooking a lot of cruciferous vegetables and eating them cooked would not have an impact and not be a part of developing hypothyroidism. Um, and so uh, typically my clients that have a cancer diagnosis, they need a lot of cruciferous vegetables mm -hmm. because the nutrients in cruciferous vegetables are critical to giving the body the phytonutrients during a diagnosis that are necessary to support the liver in detoxification and necessary to give the body ample amounts of vitamins and minerals um, and easier to digest than a lot of heavy animal proteins. Right. I, um, I know it, it is frustrating when, um, <laughs> it's like giving somebody an out like, Oh, I don't have to eat Chris's first vegetables because they're good. You know, I have a thyroid issue, but no, sure. no, you're not off the hook. You would have to sit down <laughs> and eat platters and platters, which I don't know anybody that really does that. But if you do and you're concerned, <laughs> Just ease up a little bit on that and cook some of them. I do prefer yes. my cruciferous vegetables cooked as well. 
drizzled yes. with some olive oil or something exactly. like that. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yes. Totally. Um, okay. Um, so, um, okay, we've covered a lot. I'm trying to think if there's anything else. I mean, essentially, um, iodine, I kind of want to leave this with people. I mean, I wanted them to get this information and also just know that most likely um, there is a very good chance that you person, my friend out here listening, do have an iodine deficiency and it can lead to bigger health problems. Um, yes, true. You know, God put all of these beautiful nutrients in, um, in foods and, um, and we, you know, we need them for a reason. We have these specific receptors to receive iodine and when we're not receiving it, um, it can create health problems. And so um, I do want people to consider this and, um, you know, seek out a professional um, that can help them, such as yourself, if they are interested in um, learning more about um, about iodine and doing the loading test and um, and all of that, you know, all of that good information. Because you don't, like you said, you don't want to, there's a lot that goes into it and you don't want to, one of those things you don't want to do on your own or just try willy-nilly because mm-hmm. yep. um, that could... And that could lead to yeah I've, I've talked to like I said earlier I talked to a lot of people that you know they said oh I tried iodine and then I find out that they tried a, a form of iodine like niacinth or a form that did not have the right combination mm-hmm. um, you know as we were uh, when I was prepping you know knowing we were going to talk I went back and, and reread just kind of re-went through a book I have called the iodine crisis I'm sure you have it, read it, and I um, yes, totally. read it years ago. Um, it, but I was, you know, always reading so many new nutrition books that I'll get through one and then you just, you know, then I'm like, oh, what's the next one? And without, this is so common for a lot of us, you know, we take in the information and then we don't apply it sometimes. And so yes. I went back to revisit that. And the author, um, she was saying how iodine, you know, is used for all of the things that you said today, but you know, that, that mitochondria, the kind of energy, um, the, the energy in your cells, but she was saying that it's really important for mental clarity. And when she, um, when she started supplementing, she said she got what they call the iodine boing. Like it was like the brain just like woke up like, you know, like I I can think clearly. And she also said that her ability to do math sharpened. So she said she had a boost in perception and the ability to make calculations. And so I can tell you right there. Um, I need a boing and I need a, <laughs> <That's awesome. laughs> I need awesome. math. Math is not my, not my gift. I've said that on this podcast several times, counting math, all of that, not my gift. Yes. Um, and so, um, I'm thinking that I need to, uh, you know, this is something I want to do for myself as well. And also I read, you know, when you're reading something like this and then you're picking out all the things, the way it can affect you, I have. I've had dry, this dry skin that I've tried a lot of things for, and I, I came across that it could even be an iodine deficiency. So yes, it can yep. be so many, um, so many different things. And now I'm also wondering. Um, I have hydrogenitis superativa. Um, I don't know if you know what that is, but it's a skin condition. But it's sure. you know you basically get these kind of these cyst type things, and so I'm also wondering. You know, when the body is trying to, you know, wall off a toxin, wall off something, Mm, um, you know, with a cyst or a tumor or something like that, I'm just wondering if, um, 
having sufficient iodine would um, would help that. I mean, I've kept, yes. you know, I keep most of it at bay through real foods, you know, through yes. diet, through, you know, lifestyle practices. Um, and it can, it'll come back if I'm not doing the right things. But I'm wondering if that might sure. be kind of a little missing piece that would even make it, uh, yeah, you know, do definitely better could be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So awesome. um, this has been fascinating. So oh, much great. good information. Anything else that we didn't get to about kind of the topic today that you want to share before I ask you our anchor questions? Um, not really. I just, I think that, like you said, it's important that we do advocate for ourselves and take our health in our own hands and um, search out micro deficiencies because the reality with cancer is that cancer there's many root causes to cancer but one of the root causes of a cancer diagnosis is multiple types of deficiencies and iodine is one of those deficiencies that is so common in my clients with cancer that um, it's critical that we um, in order to prevent cancer and to be proactive that we saturate our body with these nutrients and make sure we're sufficient with micronutrients that can correlate with a later cancer diagnosis. Yes, exactly. And people are, um, you, a lot of people are so in the, you know, in the health world, they're worried about their macronutrients. And what we, what we really need to make sure we're doing is getting the proper micronutrients under yes. those macronutrients, like choosing yes. Choosing the macronutrients that give us our best shot for um, getting all of the micronutrients that our body needs because that's where we get our vitamins, our minerals, our fiber, you know, exactly um, everything to regenerate, to give our body what it needs to be our healthiest self. So um, I appreciate that so much. Um, Okay. Well, that's wonderful. I want to ask you before you leave, I ask all of my guests what I call the anchor questions. And, um, and again, I just, I, I call them anchor questions because um, in the Question Health Club, we're always talking about our anchors of health. First and foremost is the Lord, is um, just, you know, centering ourselves and the reason that um, we do seek health, which is to be, a you know, an excellent vessel for the um, Holy Spirit. Um, and with that, you know, anchor meals, you know, what are the meals, our go-to meals that just anchor us, that we can go to over and over again? We always have in our refrigerator. When we eat them, we just feel good. And um, I love to ask everybody kind of what their go-to anchor meal is. So what is that for you? So I I rotate through anchor meals because I, I am an all-or-nothing person. So <laughs> I will wear something out like it's nobody's business. I, I do that with music. I find a song I love. I listen to it. And I wear it out after like two months. And then I can't listen to it for like another year. Oh, and funny. I do that with food. And so my my meal lately that I'll probably wear out and end up not being able to eat eventually is um, I make a homemade tortilla, gluten-free tortilla. Um, through I use um, air root powder coconut flour and um, eggs and make the the batter essentially and then I um, make it it's kind of like a crepe but it's thicker than a crepe so it ends up being like a tortilla and then it's actually a little bit of coconut oil in there as well and then um, I cook that and make it ends up being like a tortilla shell and I and then I put a salad on top of it I do lots of mixed greens spinach um, romaine lettuce um, and then I do um, I I do Romanesco. I love Romanesco. It's my favorite vegetable right now. Um, 
I do Romanesco in the oven um, with coconut oil and sea salt. And then I just add a bunch of veggies, Romanesco, carrots. I love dried figs and prunes, so I add that. And then I add some olive oil on the, on the vegetable side before I eat it. And that's my favorite meal right now. That sounds amazing. Yes. I am so into fresh figs. Oh my, I mean, I'm obsessed as long as you're in the grocery store. I put them, if you're people that follow me on Instagram or in the Christian health club that I'm like, I, I am a, a fig obsessed and it's so, I bibli too. It's I so biblical. I, I love, love it. Figs. Yes. I have a salad I make and I have, you know, I've made it with almonds and figs and um, olives. I'm like, this is like, total Amazing. Bible. This is Bible that salad. Good. Yes. <laughs> like, that you know? really good. Um, so it's really good. Okay. And then also what is your anchor Bible verse? The one that just uh, resonates with you that you just hold on to over and over. So the verse that I love is from Jeremiah 29, 11, for I know the plans I have for you plans to prosper you and give you and a future and a hope. And I love that verse because I think so many times we try to control our lives and be master of our own destiny. But then when we really surrender to God's process for us, we end up being really surprised. I never thought I would work with people with cancer and it came through a process of really pressing into God and surrendering my plans for his plans. And he was the one that directed me out of, um, focusing and specializing in autism just to, to specializing in cancer. And I feel like his plans are always better than the plans we try to make. Well, that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> that yeah. is for sure. Oh, I love that one. I love that one too. It's hard to, um, it's hard to do that surrender and it is hard to not try to you know, just micromanage our lives and, um, and just ask and listen and just let mm -hmm. him guide us. Cause we know it will always, um, it will always be the best plan. So I do love that. Um, mm -hmm. well, as we wrap up here, will you please tell our listeners where they can find you, yes. how they can yes, seek you for help, um, as clients or, um, or for the health practitioners, you know, interested in being trained through cancer peace university. Sure, I would love to share about that. So I, my website is um, www.cancerpeaceuniversity.com and you can check out my website, um, some of the testimonials and then my CPU course. Um, my next full course begins in August and my next mini course, which is a six week course, it's a snapshot of the full course, begins in October. And I offer my full course twice a year, my mini course twice a year. Um, for holistic practitioners and I'm training um, holistic practitioners to be Cancer Peace University instructors where they can actually lead their own group classes and lead clients one-on-one -on -one with all the curriculum and protocols that I've developed and um, used in my own practice um, and then we're building a team of practitioners that are working together and um, collaborating and um, really working on um, setting people free from the fear of cancer. Oh, that's amazing. So, okay. So the full course, you offer that twice a year and then you have the mini course. Is that, yes. is that for the practitioners as well? Yes. So the mini course is for the practitioners and then, um, for clients, um, clients join through a membership site, 
Um, and if you if you wanted to reach out to me for more information, my email is cancerpeaceuniversity at gmail.com. And I have a membership site that clients can join in order to um, gain access to the Cancer Peace University curriculum that I've developed for my clients. Um, and it also includes one-on-one um, -on -one sessions with me um, and um, all the work that I do with, with my clients during a um, diagnosis. Oh, that's wonderful. Well, thank you so much, Megan, for being here with us today. Um, this was wonderful. And like I said, I, I want to have you back. Um, most awesome. Definitely. <clears throat> to cover several other areas of this. Um, like I said, just so much rich information here. So I appreciate you being on with us today. Thank you so much, Chelsea. I've enjoyed um, so much being on your podcast. You, you are... Um, quite the comedian and it really <laughs> got me laughing a lot. So thank well, you. I'm always, I'm, you know, I don't know. I'm always here sometimes making light of things, maybe too much, but, um, honestly, a lot of the times I am, um, learning more deeply about these topics, um, you know, just right along here with my audience. And so I'm always trying to ask That's questions awesome. that, um, you know, that I think they're thinking and, um, but also just um, hopefully make it enjoyable for everyone to listen to. I appreciate everyone's time here so much and um, love our guests. And so go check out Megan at Cancer Peace University. And thank you everyone for being here with us today. I hope you have a healthy and blessed week and I will talk to you soon. Remember that my mom is an awesome nutritionist, but she's not a doctor. The information in this podcast is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent disease. Always talk to your doctor before making changes to your nutrition or exercise program. Thanks for listening. Have a healthy and blessed week.